0: Well, good morning, almost afternoon, everybody. My name is still Chris Kimston, still the young adult missions minister. Uh, They haven't got rid of me in the last half an hour, and uh, a lot of you. I I, it's been several months uh, since I have been able to teach on a weekend. Usually, I'm at the uh, seven o'clock service on Tuesday nights for young adults. so, for those of you I know, there are a lot of new people over the last several months that have joined Hope, and you're like, I thought he just did announcements. No, I'm up here every once in a while as well, so it's so good to be with you on kind of a bizarre week, uh, because here's the thing, we uh, we had our year of the Bible in 2019, and then we just finished our Advent series, which is the fancy church calendar way of saying, you know, before Christmas, spoiler alert in case you missed it, uh, Christmas just happened, but it's not 2020 yet. Uh, we aren't to our new preaching series, uh, which, we're really excited for. It's going to be called All Eyes on Jesus, but it's still 2019. So we have one week together, you and I, and I thought that maybe we would start by looking at these things, at nativity scenes. Uh, Audience participation, not a metaphor or anything. Actually, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you remember growing up with a nativity scene in your house. Perfect. Thanks. You see, uh, even if you were like me where you had Nativity scenes plural at your house, like wherever they were, they tended to like multiply throughout your house. I find that most people actually find like can remember one in particular. Maybe it was the one that was placed in prominence on your your mantle, or the one in the front room, or uh, the one that was passed down from generation to generation. I had a friend who inherited their grandmother's uh, nativity scene, and it was this like really important thing in their family. And they can actually look really different from each other, as you can just see uh, there on the screen. Last year I preached during this weekend and we looked at, I I searched on the internet and found the weirdest nativity scenes possible. There are leprechaun nativity scenes. Uh, There are cat nativity scenes, which is a completely different sermon for a whole different time. Uh, There are Star Wars nativity scenes, especially now with like how many baby Yoda, baby Jesus nativity scenes are there now for those that watch The Mandalorian. But Uh, Regardless of the kind of the wacky ones, it got me thinking, like, what does a nativity scene have to have in order to, quote, unquote, count? Like, what do you have to have in a nativity scene? Uh, Well, you got to have baby Jesus, right? You got to have Mary. You got to have Joseph. Like, usually there's, like, some sort of, like, barn enclosure or something, even though likely it took place in, like, a cave. Uh, But, or some sort of, like, basement situation. Maybe you have some animals, Today, we are going to look at the manger scene, one group in particular, a little bit differently. You already heard Jed sing about. And my hope and my prayer is that maybe you will not look at this quite the same way. Again, because another major element in most nativity scenes are those guys, usually to the right, for some reason. Why are they always to the right? Um, always picture right next to uh, Mary and Joseph. They're usually holding packages, uh, perfectly wrapped presents. And how many of them are there usually? Three, right? Yeah, exactly. There's usually three. And the funny thing is, just like a lot of stories with we've, uh, that have been passed throughout generations, we've assumed a lot about these people that we've come to call wise men. Now they're called wise men. Sometimes they're called the three kings, which actually the idea that they were kings was made up a few hundred years later after uh, the story. But uh, we all likely mostly call them magi here, which is uh, a nod from the original language. Uh, They're a specific group of people from a specific tradition. And we've assumed a lot about them. So I'm not trying to give anyone an existential crisis here, but here are some of the things that we aren't quite sure about these wise men. We've assumed that there are three, but we actually don't know how many wise men were there. The Bible doesn't mention, as you heard in our Bible reading. We're not sure. We've assumed three based on the number of gifts, because can you imagine being the fourth wise men? Here are your gifts, and then the last guy's like, yeah. That's like a gift card or something. Uh, It's very possible and it's even likely that there were more than three because of the trip of that magnitude that we'll talk about in a second from the travel that they had to take, their safety in numbers. So there were likely even way more than three. And speaking of travel, we're not sure where they traveled from. We're not really quite sure exactly the location or the town or the place where these these people traveled from. And we'll talk about that in a second. But another thing we don't know is we don't really even know who these people were. We're not sure how wise they were. We're actually not. The recent scholarship suggests that as there are likely more than three, there were probably also women with them as well. So not only wise men, but there were wise women as well. Now, getting caught up in the exact identity and heritage and trying to figure out exactly who these people traveling to see Jesus were, trying to figure that out exactly threatens to miss the point of seeing Uh, why these individuals were in the story. So what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about three things. We're going to talk about who they were, what they brought with them, and who they came to visit. Because I think each one of these kind of three elements of the story have something to say to us. And so uh, the point that I am going to expand on this morning and try to convince us all of here is that the story of the Magi, is about the gift that God gave us. The story of the Magi is about the gift that God gave us. Us. So uh, in looking at what the, we do know, as we've talked about what we don't know about the Magi, to look at what we do know, we are going to flip to our scripture reading for the day. So feel free to get out your Bibles. We're going to Matthew chapter 2. Uh, we have Bibles available in the back. Uh, feel free to take one with you, uh, our gift to you, or take out your internet rectangle that you all have and just Google Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. All right, we're going to start in verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw the star when it rose and have come to worship him. Skipping down to verse 10, chapter 2, verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, here's what we do know about who these magi were. They were a group of people, maybe three, maybe more, that came from where the original language refers to as just the East, very specific. Uh, just the East because because it doesn't specify a location that the uh, original hearers would have been familiar with, because they would have known where these pe- wanted to know where these people were from, that means that it was likely probably from somewhere pretty far away. And geographically, that makes sense, because let's think: what was east of Jerusalem? Uh, the Dead Sea, the Jordan River, more mountains and desert. Because people didn't drive F-150s back then or have a way to easily cover a lot of ground, this is not a trip you're going to take over the holidays. There are trade routes, certainly, where people could traverse those places, but it was not hospitable. It was not easy. People did not always survive the trip. So the only people that would have made that trip were people who were incredibly motivated by something. So what were these people motivated by? They're motivated by the star, which is another thing that uh, gives us a peek into who the Magi were. You see, the star isn't just like a pretty thing on a lot of the pictures uh, of the story or some romantic part of the tale. It's one of the things that is mentioned a couple of different times. In a text that doesn't give us much about the Magi, it mentions the star a couple of different times. And what the star highlights is the fact that these people, these Magi, they were not from the same place, or culture, and likely didn't follow the same religious traditions uh, as the Jews of that area. They probably were completely different. And yet, God was showing up and helping to guide them there that night to be a part of it. These aren't folks that people in the area would have been familiar with, not just from a faith tradition standpoint. Ethnically, they were likely different. They might have spoken similar languages, but uh, there might have been communication issues there. The people of the area likely wouldn't have been comfortable with people who were different than them. You know, something we know nothing about today. To focus on the exact identity of the Magi, though, threatens to miss the point because the presence of these travelers from afar says much about the baby, much more about the baby that they were looking for than it does about them. These first 11 verses are not about the travelers as much as they articulate the magnitude of Jesus' coming. You see, one of the characteristics of uh, a lot of stories at the time of a bunch of different religious traditions in the areas is they, a lot of them had stories about how their God came to earth to their specific town to do specific things for them. Like this was a thing that happened in a lot of different traditions. But here we have one God working across the entire known world with everyone to bring a moment of peace and reconciliation of people together. Here we have the God of the universe, not just coming to the world in the form of a baby, but bringing people from different cultures across the world together to witness it. The Magi are an important piece of the Christmas story. Don't miss this, because they prove that this story is about everybody. The story is about everyone. And the reason that this is important for us in 2019 is because it wasn't just about everybody in the world back then. It's for everybody here and now. Because at some point, somebody made you feel like you don't belong somewhere. Each and every one of us. And that might have been, unfortunately, in the church as well. They made you feel like an outsider. And maybe that was true according to someone else's worldly expectations, but that reflects more about our own broken nature than it does the truth that God has for us here today. And the problem is, is that at some point, we start to believe that lie over the truth that God has for us, that he's for everybody. We start to believe we're not good enough or we're not fill in the blank enough to be included with the people around us. But this story proves that God is for everyone and is seeking to reconcile and bring people together around the person of Jesus. So that's kind of who we know they were and kind of why that's important because God is for everyone. But what did they bring? They brought three things, the Bible says, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which are symbolic and as hard to understand as they are to spell. Yes, I checked. That is how you spell myrrh. Uh, So it's funny because each one of these gifts that are brought represent something. The the wise men are, are trying to make a point. As they bring these gifts, you see, gold is is extremely uh, expensive to mine. It is now, but was especially back then, and was reserved to represent kingship. It was meant for royalty, and so to give gold to a baby was to uh, was to uh, indicate that he was royal. Then, frankincense is this type of incense. It's this really potent stuff, and uh, it's, it's expensive, and you would have only burnt it at the most holy of circumstances in the temple in worship to a god. And so, this frankincense is meant to kind of represent this holiness, to represent this deity. And then, myrrh is an embalming oil, it's something that you use to keep organic matter. Composed, keep it together, it's something that you'd use for a funeral to keep a body. Now, if you have any children, you might have been thinking about this already, right? Uh, and if, even if you don't have children, you might already know, but these are terrible gifts for a baby. It's like fundamentally awful gifts for a child. But the thing is this, like, th- that's because Jesus wasn't actually supposed to play uh, with these gifts. Um, the author of the story, meaning the real author of God, is trying to tell us something special. You see, if we look at these gifts in all the ways that I just explained, if we look at them a little bit differently, it could be phrased this way. Gold is the most precious thing at the time brought out of the earth and is reserved for the people who had the most in life. Gold, in a lot of ways, to them, represents life, life to the fullest. Myrrh, an embalming oil, is meant for funerals, meant to to stave off uh, some of the the unfortunate stages of decomposition. It represents death. And then frankincense is meant to be burned uh, thinking about a holiness so profound that it's as of a god, you know, that can conquer death. Another word for that is resurrection. Jesus, here we have baby Jesus from the Magi being handed three gifts that represent life, death, and resurrection. In these gifts, we are being given a foreshadowing of Jesus' story and significance of what this little baby is going to go on and do in the world. And these gifts were scandalous because these people weren't by the world standards weren't anybody. They were from the wrong side of town. They were young and uh, shamed in their family because Mary got pregnant before uh, they were married and they were kind of uh, shunned by their community. And so here they find themselves without any money, without any place to stay, with a baby being born in a thing that animals eat out of. And here you have these three guys from somewhere else in the world in a time and place when people don't travel that far. You have these guys showing up from a completely different tradition going, here's a, here's a gift for a king. Here's a gift for a god. Here is a gift for death. It's deep. And Caesar was lord at the time. So to, to give these special gifts was just reflecting on how special and set apart and holy that night really was. But, so that's a lot, but just like the details of who the Magi were uh, wasn't the main point, the story of the Magi is actually not also about the gifts that they brought him, but instead about how they were there to celebrate the gift that God gave them, and also to us. Because remember, the story of the Magi is about the gift that God gave to us. Because the best that the Magi could give that we just went through, they were expensive, uh, they were kind of bizarre, they are very hard to spell, and. They're metaphors and symbols. The best that they could offer was metaphors and symbols. The best gift that God could offer that they were there to celebrate is being present in skin and bone amidst a broken world. Not in some symbolic gesture, but to come alongside us in our pain and offer us a way out of it. Not always in the way that we want, but always in a way that is bigger than whatever we're facing. This story can meet us wherever we're at this holiday season. Even if we're at really different places from each other, I know we're all coming in with a lot of different experiences this holiday and in life. But maybe you've always felt like an outsider from church people or organized religion. This story is about God bringing close those from across the world because God truly is for everyone. Maybe you've been a part of a church for a long time. Maybe you grew up in the church but you've kind of gotten tired of what seems like empty words. You've gotten tired of what just seems like pageantry and weird symbolic gifts. The story is about how real those stakes are that those gifts represent. Pointing to things like life and death, two things that each and every one of us will have to contend with regardless of who we are or where we've come from, as well as the holiness of this baby that threatened to change everything for the better and did. But don't miss this. My prayer for us as we look ahead to this 2020 is that we look at the gift that God gave us for Christmas, that this, maybe for the first time, doesn't just become a story about something that happened a long time ago somewhere else for some other group of people. But instead, we at Hope pray in 2020 that this is the year where we realize that the grace, the life, the resurrection given to that baby there in a manger a couple of thousand years ago is available through faith for us here and now, every day, in every situation. So wherever God meets you here in this end of this holiday season, we're invited to consider the questions asked in this story. Where are you believing the lie that you don't belong? Where might God be inviting you, just like the Magi next to the manger in a foreign land, where might God be inviting you to come and witness what he's doing alongside other people not like you? Maybe the invitation is this. Where has faith gone stale for you? Where has it become just another thing on a checklist, like a metaphorical gift, just another motion to go through? Where can God breathe new life, true life into your relationship with him? And how might your life and your eternity change when you consider and recognize the gift that God has given you, yes, you, this holiday season? Because I'm, I've am i seen the future, and I'm going to tell you what happens. The holiday season's going to end after New Year's Eve, and we'll quit getting picturesque 55-degree days in the middle of winter. It'll get cold, and people will quit having that little extra bit of focus on generosity that for some reason magically exists during the holidays. But that grace, that life, that gift, the true spirit of Christmas— Doesn't go away with the Christmas tree. Hear this if you hear anything else this morning. Don't let faith get packed up with the decorations. Don't pack up your faith with the Christmas tree because this is the gift that keeps giving the whole year long. We at this campus adopted families from the Oak Ridge neighborhood. Uh, You've seen all of the gifts of the picture. There's a picture up there. It just, it spilled all the way, uh, almost to the front door a couple weeks ago. And we did that so that the predominantly refugee families could have a great Christmas. But those are the same families, those are the same kids that are coming each Thursday night throughout the entire school year and receiving mentorship and a safe place to learn about faith and themselves through our program called WizKids. It's not just for Christmas. The relationship is the invitation for the entire year. We collected socks for the Hope Wide Advent Project, uh, as you saw on 360, and there's a, uh, there's a box of socks out there. There's Less do you think that's all we have, there's like nine trash bags of socks on my desk. I actually just pulled my desk chair out of the shared office up there, because I was like, I'm obviously not using this until after Christmas. We collected those socks, but those same pantries and shelters that received those donations will also receive our Super Bowl food drive donations, which you'll give here in a couple of months, uh, in a few weeks, I mean. And that project is about where we endeavor to fill every single food pantry shelf in central Iowa in the time that's needed the most, which is after Christmas, after the holidays, after it's the hap-hap-happiest time of the year, and when... Winter sets in, and when things get hard, and when generosity and grace naturally dry up, that's when we want Christ's life to speak into our community. Following Jesus, we are seeking to make our faith something that continues to reach out and love the world around us, not just in the most wonderful time of the year, not just during the holidays, but during each and every day in our lives. The story of the Magi is about the gift that God gave us and continues to give us. Our faith is a gift. It's not an ornament. So whatever your uh, New Year's Eve resolutions are, if you even believe in New Year's resolutions, let's let 2020 be the year that you lean into that gift. Ways to do that around here. You heard us talk about, John and I talk about it earlier. If your faith is new, or even if you just want a refresher to figure out what you actually believe about stuff, Alpha's a great chance to do that. Join that group. Maybe it's a new member class. Uh, Go and see what this church is actually about. Ask the hard questions you actually want to ask at that meeting. Come and learn and see. Maybe for you it's service. Maybe your faith is just missing something but you you haven't found a way to serve. So whether that can be with hospitality, go and serve out uh, with uh, setting up for coffee, Uh, go be a greeter, go be an usher. Maybe it's even with GASP student ministry. Go help with junior high school kids. Go help with high school kids during the week. Help with Hope Kids or help with the nursery on the weekends. And I know I'm talking to somebody in here. Maybe if you feel like you're walking this stage of life alone, Maybe your next step is to actually be vulnerable, to take the mask off, to put the wall down, and to step into a small group. To do life with, in this, with people going through the exact same things that you are, but are pointed towards the cross and the gift of Jesus. We have recovery groups. For, men's, we have, for men, we have men's ministry. For ladies, we have women's ministry. If you're a young adult, maybe it looks like come into Revive Worship Service to be with those in the same stage of things. Because I recognize here, for a lot of us, we just had the best Christmas ever. It was the first year with a loved one. Uh, we got you know, that Yeti coffee mug you really wanted. You, it was awesome. We got to see people. We always look forward to this time of year, and it was great. And I also recognize that for a lot of us, this is always the worst time of year. And maybe this one was the worst. Maybe this was the first year without a loved one there. Maybe this was the time that you always try to avoid because Those family members never get along or it reminds you of that time back then. Most of us find ourselves somewhere in between those things. But regardless of wherever we find ourselves, the gift from God is always the same. A God that will never fail to reach into those dark places. The God that will never fail to lead us into something more. To continue to give us that gift of love. So the story of the Magi, may we learn from that. May we see ourselves in it. And may we see one step in 2020, how we might step into faith in this new year. Whatever that is for you, it could be a thousand different things. May we take that step. Amen. This isn't just something that, we, that you hear and then you think about and then you go out in the weather and you go out in the rest of your week and maybe it sticks, maybe it doesn't. This is something that we get to celebrate. So my invitation to you is this. During this last song, let's not let, don't think about your Trader Joe's list that you got going uh, on the way out of here. Don't let, you, don't let your brain check out to the next thing. Let's stand, let's sing, and let's worship and be grateful for the gift that God gave us for Christmas. Let's stand and sing together.